This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Minds. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of the Equity Mate Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Superhero. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well known companies from both here in Australia and over in the US. In some instances, we'll be hearing directly from the CEOs to give you firsthand insight into their companies. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm good, Bryce. I think you made a mistake in your intro, though. Oh, what did I say? Well, you said we're diving into the most exciting companies, and uh, (laughs) the New York Times actually called this company... Uh, quote, a very boring software company. <laughs> so uh, I think we need to change uh, the intro. Well, I'll go back and have a look at it. But I, I think this is a rather interesting software company, albeit boring. Can, something can be interesting <laughs> and boring. It yeah. can't be exciting and, and boring. Yes, true, 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 true. But we're here to talk about a homegrown hero, yeah. and that is Atlassian, listed over in the U.S., the ticker is TEAM, T-E-A-M. You can grab it uh, or have a look at it on the Superhero platform. So a thank you to Superhero uh, for sponsoring the summer series. Superhero allows you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees. And you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. So Atlassian Corporation, we're going to have a look in this episode at what it does. We're going to have a look at the industry, its financials, future prospects, and a few fun facts. And speaking of fun facts, a reminder that you can win $1,000 in a superhero wallet by just telling us your favorite fact from this episode in the comments section over on our Instagram page for this particular episode. So check out the Atlassian post over on Instagram, leave your fun fact and we'll announce a lucky winner at the end of this week on our stories. All thanks to Superhero. Yeah. And there is a lot of interesting stats and facts in this company's Mm. journey and and where it is today because Atlassian, uh, despite what the New York Times said, uh, is just a phenomenal story. And as Australians, we should be so proud of this company. It is World class. It is. It's yeah. a shame it's not listed here in Australia. Well, I think the we know, uh, we know the reason the hundred twelve billion dollar market cap <laughs> that it enjoys may not it may not enjoy it if it was in Australia. Absolutely. But 
Let's start there because people, you know, we, we think about Alassian being a big Australian company made good in the world stage. It is a big software company full stop. It's one of the top 20 software companies in the world in terms of market cap, in terms of size. Yeah, it's a giant. Mm, it is an absolute giant. Yeah. And it's got a pretty fascinating founding story, pretty interesting one that kicked off you, I'm sure you would have heard about their uh, founders, Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar. Mike is on an absolute property tear at the moment. Yeah, he's going to own up- all of the Southern Highlands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> buying all of the Southern Highlands. I think he owns the $100 million property um, down in Eleonora or something like that down in um, Sydney Harbour. But anyway, they met at university, UNSW, I'm pretty sure it yep. was, and... Mike sent an email to his class, I think it was a computer class at the time, um, asking who wanted to start a business and only one person replied and that was Scott. Yeah. I I love that. Yeah. Who wants to start a business? And to be clear, this wasn't Mike's first business. Mike and another classmate started a a business. So back in the day, you remember like early, early internet and you had bookmarks um, on on like your home computer but then you'd go to work and you'd have a different computer at work. Their very first business was a bookmark business where you could like you could like access your bookmarks from whatever computer you were on. And anyway, a competitor over in the States raised like a stupid amount of money and they were like, we're going to get blown out of the water here. So Mike went over and sold it. Yeah, um, yeah. Then Mike was keen to do another business. He was still at uni. Scott had done the corporate thing. I think he worked at IBM, PwC, ASX, hated them all. And so Mike sent an email to the class and said, who wants to start a business? Scott being dissatisfied with the corporate world uh, from the few tries he'd had said, I'm keen. And they started a business. And what a business that was. (laughs) What were they doing? So they were supporting, uh, well, it was support, IT support, I guess, for a Swedish software company. Did they have the Swedish software? Did the Swedish software company know that they were giving doing mm, IT support? No, that's the best <laughs> part about it. They, uh, they essentially set up a company that supplied support for this company overseas um, without... I guess not the permission or the, the knowledge of this or the engagement from this Swedish software company. So they're up at all hours of the morning because of the time difference and, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of hustle. Yeah, and they wrote all this documentation, put it on the web, put, made a website and then, you know, if people were searching like support, yeah. they would come across their website first. But apparently the documentation they wrote was so good that – People only ever contacted them with really hard problems that they couldn't solve. So (laughs) not the best idea, but I think they quickly realized that the scalable business is in selling software, not in selling support for existing software. And these guys, you know, they were both incredibly good coders, I guess, and they'd built a bunch of products for themselves internally uh, that really started the Atlassian software suite. Mm. I think it was the first... Uh, acronym of their product was R, so it was like Alassian Software Support, or I can't remember what it was, but yeah, they eventually that that formed the, I guess the backbone of what became their first product, which was Jira. Jira, yeah, I've now, got a few things to say about Jira, but we'll wait for that. Okay, well you can say them now. No, 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 let's wait till we talk about their product suite. Now, there's a couple of things that I think are are pretty interesting from the founding days. They had a. Share, so they each owned 50% of the company 
And in their shareholders' agreement, they needed a way to, uh, I guess, settle disputes. Yeah. Because if you both have 50%, 50 who yeah. has a deciding vote? Uh, do you know what their final decision-making, I guess, point was? Yeah, it was scissor, paper, rock. Scissor, paper, rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is just crazy if you think about it. But I love, uh, look, if you got to respect the game, I guess, and that's the way they did it. And it was whoever won it, that was the way they were going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I think is really gives I guess the vibe of of what they were in the early days, just just figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the, the business IPO'd in December of 2015 on the Nasdaq with a market cap of 4.4 billion, and Ren, as you said, um, it was to the fanfare of the New New York Times calling them a very boring software company. However, since then they've just continued to grow compound it's just been a fascinating th- story to watch market cap today of about 112 billion if you'd been able to uh invest pre-ipo or even at ipo even two years even into two, the ipo yeah, yeah. You, you would be um you'd be doing very well yeah alassian is often uh it's somewhat misunderstood or poorly understood as a business in terms of like the products and services that it offers. So I think that the best way to conceptualize it is it is the picks and shovels to teams and in particular software development teams, but teams more generally. Well, their ticker is team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they're, all of their business philosophies are around like how do we make teams work yeah. and, and stuff like that. But really where it started was with software developers. and. Yes. Atlassian was they they wanted to make software platforms they wanted to make tools that allowed software developers to work better to work more effectively and there's a number of little aspects that I want to get into about that because there's some cool stuff that a number of they've like changed a number of different models but that in itself is the business Mm. building those platforms building those tools because teamwork is complicated and teamwork in big businesses is particularly complicated. So the average large enterprise uses 288 software-as-a-service applications, which increased 30% from last year, and companies of all sizes just drown in the amount of communications and project management and you know all these different platforms that exist. It is... It's a bit of a mess out there. Mm. And so Alassian is just trying to, I guess, simplify that. That's their mission. That's their mission, yeah. yeah now, yeah. you have some thoughts on Jira. Do well, you want to share it now? Well, or should we use that as a segue to talk about some of their core services that they have built Hit to me. help with this? Hit so me. Jira is uh, a project management tool where you know you use it to plan and then track how you're you're going with uh large-scale projects there's confluence which allows teams to create and share documents and data it's like a google docs vibe isn't yeah it? yeah yeah trello um it's a you know it's a way to track who's working on what um process flow and uh how far along certain tasks are uh there's bitbucket helps teams to create and share coding work. And then there's the Jira service desk, which is a self-service portal that allows teams to quickly respond to issues that um, have come through from customers, which is obviously very important customer service. Now, look, there's no doubt, Ren, that these are all incredibly successful services. They're incredibly successful software as a service that they've built. However, I was uh, when I was in corporate, I didn't work in software, um, but a lot of these um, platforms they tried to implement 
and they all do still have a, a pretty sort of software-y uh, focus, if that makes sense. You mean sense. like a developer focus? A developer focus, yeah. yeah. And so it's hard to – it's not hard, but it was more challenging to implement the use of these in non-software-related projects and that sort of thing. But um, – we eventually got there, but that's sort of my gripe. And I know that Alassian are changing it significantly to make it more adaptable to non-sort of developer yeah. use. So I think this is a good point to talk about how Alassian grew because it's a model that they really pioneered and they pioneered really as a matter of circumstance, like they were forced to pioneer it. But a number of companies have followed suit. So Slack was sort of, I guess, lionized or like people were so glowing about it because of their bottom-up approach where they would find a way for a team, like they would encourage just teams within a business to download Slack and start using it. It eventually spread like a weed throughout the entire business because it was just so much better than email. But it was a bottom-up sales approach rather than a top-down Slack's head of sales meeting with a business's chief information officer or chief technology officer and trying to sell enterprise software. That was how software was sold. That was how IBM and Oracle and Microsoft sold software into big enterprises. It was top-down. Um, and Slack, you know, was celebrated because they they were bottom-up. But Alassian were the guys that pioneered this approach. And they have this motto that software should be bought, not sold, which I love. They, In terms of all of their peers, they have the lowest um, percentage of revenue spent on sales just because, just because they don't think it should. But it also stems from the fact that Mike and Scott were based in Australia so far away from a lot of their customers mm-hmm. in the States. People had to go to their website and download it and um, Mike and Scott couldn't be in there you know, selling in person. That's why the developer focus is so strong and that has been a real driver of their growth because similar to Slack, how it was bottom up, a team would start using it and it would spread because it was so good. For Alassian, developers would start using it because it was optimized for developers. It was best in class for software developers. But software developers are so integral to businesses these days Mm. and they're so integral to cross-functional projects that all of these different teams would have to start working with developers, you know, marketing, legal, accounting, all all the different business units. And what they saw was developers would start using it and then the use of the software would spread throughout organisations and, you know, you were probably one of those tentacles at Woolies as a Mm. non-software developer. Mm. Um, And that approach of bottom up, get into a business, let it spread organically is the sales playbook that Slack followed and so many other businesses are now trying to follow. Yeah, it's pretty powerful when that happens really because yeah. you know it's being bought on utility rather than sold into down your throat because it's the next best thing, yeah. Mm. So, Ren, you mentioned they don't spend a lot of money on um, on the sales side, but they do spend a fair bit in the mergers and acquisitions space, having invested over a billion dollars over the last sort of 10, 20 years or so, 10 years. In the past decade, they've spent over a billion dollars. Yeah, so we don't need to go through all of the acquisitions, but they've made some pretty significant, significant ones, Trello, uh, was one in 2017. Um, help, which is a tool that generates help desk tickets from Slack conversations. I think I think the so you mentioned the five big business units. Um, 
above Jira, Jira Service Desk, Confluence, Trello, Bitbucket. Yeah. Trello and Bitbucket both acquired in the last 10 years. Yeah. So Atlassian is a company that's not scared to acquire and growth and grow by acquisition. What they have done really well is integrate these businesses into their offering and um, it's been a real uh, – you know, one plus one equals three approach. Whereas a lot of a lot of companies that have this many acquisitions, you see, maybe not. You see, maybe diminishing returns. Mm, but mm. pretty impressive M and A activity over the past decade. One thing that I think we should highlight, which again I think shows something about the attitude of Alassian and the way that they're willing to take risks and then walk away from things that aren't working, is the workplace chat. So in 2012, they acquired HipChat. Yeah. In 2015, they acquired Hall. Uh, both were work chat companies um, and they then rolled them into a product called Stride that mm-hmm. they launched in 2017. And this was Slack. This was them going head-to-head with Slack. So Slack was founded in 2009 and Atlassian obviously decided they were going to go head-to-head. 2017, they launched Stride. And it is their Slack competitor product. Two years later, so after acquiring these two companies, rolling them into a, a new standalone business unit, competing for two years, in 2019, they recognized the writing on the wall that Slack was winning. Yeah. And so what did they do? They shut the business, sold Stride to Slack, in return took some equity in Slack and then partnered with Slack and integrated Slack into all of Alassian's services. Great play. So rather than saying we've got our own work chat product, we're not going to partner with Slack, we're going to compete, they said sack it, our customers prefer Slack, shut it down, let's integrate Slack into our platform so our customers can use the work chat product they want with the platform that they want. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, Ren, before we jump into competitive advantages, uh, is there anything else that is interesting about Atlassian? I think a few stats to just rattle off. So Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar are Australia's first tech billionaires. Yes, Um, I remember that. Forget the miners, uh, the first tech billionaires. 83% of Fortune 500 companies use Atlassian products. Mm. Pretty impressive. Mm. 10 million monthly active users on Atlassian Cloud. We'll talk about cloud in a sec, but their big, hairy, audacious goal, and yes. that's what, how they phrase it, uh, is 100 million cloud users. They have 200,000 customers over 190 countries. They are a truly global business. Yeah, I think that sort of gives a scale in huge, terms of how huge. big they are and how integrated they are in some of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. All right, well, let's have a quick chat about um, competitive advantages, but before we do, we'll just take a break to hear from our sponsors. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. So when uh, looking at these companies, Ren, uh, it's always important to think about the advantages, the competitive advantages that they have over uh, some of their peers. And it's pretty impressive because there are two clear competitive advantages for Atlassian. And, and the first is their moat. Yeah. Given that they are creating software as a service for the workforce, for huge organizations, 83% of the Fortune 500 changing for these companies between platforms and services would be a nightmare yeah so this is a this is known as switching costs yeah and uh once they're integrated in an organization the cost of retraining the entire workforce migrating data you know the risk of losing uh information or data or losing productivity productivity because of a worse platform or a platform the team is less familiar with um yeah, there's a big switching cost that comes. Um, so that's that's the first moat. The second one, uh, I think we can call a network effect, but I think this is where we should really bring in Alassian Marketplace because Alassian have built this great platform, but now they're allowing other developers to build on top of it. Mm. And basically, if you or I uh, want to create a product for you know, software developers or for teams to use, we can create it and sell it through Alassian Marketplace and and Alassian users can buy it and then integrate it into the platform and use it themselves. And so it creates this virtual cycle where Alassian is the platform where all these other developers are building products and then all the all of these customers that want to use those products have to access it through Alassian's mm. um, through Alassian's platform. So as as they keep growing their customer base, more and more developers are incentivized to build things for the Alassian marketplace, and then as more developers build things for the Alassian marketplace, more and more customers are incentivized to use it because the platform has more and more utility. Mm. So it's this virtual cycle that becomes very hard to break. The customers and developers become very sticky. Because if you and I wanted to start a rival uh, software developer workforce management platform, we all of a sudden don't have all these third-party developers building additional functionality on our platform for us. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty amazing. So industry, uh, there's some pretty big competitors out there. They're competing against the likes of Microsoft who have their suite of products for, um, you know, working – Teams and where they actually have teams, literally. Yeah. Um, there's GitLab, IBM are playing. Service Now is massive. Scrumwise and GitHub. Yeah, Salesforce. Salesforce. Yeah. yeah. I think there are so many alternatives out there. So many big mm. software platform alternatives. So, do you think Elastic is profitable? 
I think it is. It's not. Jeez. Yeah, surprisingly enough, it's not. It hasn't been profitable for years. I think it was profitable and then from like F16 onwards, not profitable. Wow. Yeah. But if you look at it on a, if you look at a number of those companies that you just mentioned, the Microsoft, the Salesforce, the Oracles, the ServiceNows, and you compare Alassian to them on a um, enterprise value to revenue ratio. Yeah. So almost price to sales, similar vibes, but enterprise value to revenue. Alassian is expensive. 40 times compared to Microsoft 12 times wow. compared to Salesforce 10 times compared to Oracle 7 times. Wow. So um, I think that's, you know, we've, we've just spent 20 minutes speaking glowingly about Alassian, <laughs> but we're not breaking new news here. Yeah, like the market yeah, yeah. realizes how powerful Alassian is and a lot of that's priced. It's priced in, yeah. yeah. Well, let's look at some of the financials, Ren. So $112 billion market cap. The share price in 2016 was twenty seven forty nine. And uh, at the time of recording on the 11th of November, it is about 440 bucks, $444. Amazing growth, 74% compound annual growth rate for its share price. And it's also been pumping out some pretty good revenue numbers. In FY 2016, it did just shy of uh, half a billion. And uh, in FY 21, it's now doing 2.1 billion. So that's compound annual growth of 36% over the last sort of five years or so. Yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned before, they're not profitable. They lost almost $700 million in FY21. Um, and those numbers have been expanding since FY16. So, well, you know, why? I think part of it is this migration to cloud, which okay, we can talk yeah. about. I guess also they're just investing heavily yeah. in platform acquisitions, a bunch of other stuff. They're growing. I think is the, the long and the short of it. They do have about a billion dollars cash on their balance sheet. So they've got a fair bit there. But the I think the important thing to note is while they're not profitable, they they do have they do generate serious free cash flow. Yeah. So F sixteen they generated about ninety five million. F twenty they generated about half a billion. So fifty one percent compound annual growth rate for those five years. So free cash flow, you know, that is cash that the business can used to grow, like invest internally or, you know, acquire or sit on their balance sheet. So mm, mm. that free cash flow growth is impressive. So Ren, we've mentioned the cloud a few times. So let's let's move to that and have a look at what is uh, what the future holds for Atlassian. We've seen over the last few years that they've been shutting down their server-based products and focusing on cloud and sort of data center additions of those and it's a pretty interesting move. Yeah, so what do we mean by that? Back in the day, uh, if I was Alassian and I wanted to to sell my, my software to someone, I would either need to send someone out to go and install it onto a company's servers or the company would have to download it and install it on their servers themselves. But that business model is outdated now. Everything is cloud-based. It mm. can just be downloaded or it can even just be accessed through the cloud that is Alassian have made the decision that they're pivoting. Uh, they basically, I was reading something, they forked their code and they just said we're only going cloud now. So they have stopped selling uh, server products and I think in 2024 they're just cutting them completely. Mm. So there's a few years of people like legacy to move them over but then 2024 it's done. Get out. You're out. You're either on, you've moved over and you're host, hosted in a data center, hosted on the cloud, or you don't exist now, books anymore. Yeah, nice. So, I mean, that's a big move for a business to 
disrupt their customers like that. Absolutely. If you're looking at what the next few years of Alassian is going to be, it's going to be that. It's going to be telling the market how they're going with that customer journey and moving customers over and what their customer churn rate looks like and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, and it's a big opportunity as well. They think that it's a, what, $24 billion opportunity. Yeah, they, that's generally how big the market is. Yeah. Really. yeah. I, I think it's important to note their cloud pro- offering is more expensive than their server offering for most customers. So it is going to be a, a lot of effort to transition them. Most More expensive than server. I mean, yeah, more expensive than server, but I wonder how um, how expensive it is relative to competitors. Yeah, that's a good question. And also you'd probably cop it if it means getting kicked off and having to start again integrating a new com- competitor offer like nightmare you're likely to cop it yeah i would imagine i think so and i think at last probably know that yeah <laughs> so uh we mentioned their big hairy audacious goal before yeah they've got 10 million uh cloud users they want to get that to 100 million monthly active users did they uh, say by when no i don't think so maybe but not in what i read uh revenue of 2.1 billion they want to get to 5 billion in revenue so they want to 10 times their users but double their revenue. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. You'd have to ask them. <laughs> Maybe that's why they're unprofitable. <laughs> <laughs> and so one other thing, Ren, just to close out is uh, their spend on R&D. We know that um, you know a lot of managers look at what uh, companies spend on their R&D and Atlassian spend 35% of their revenue on R&D. Which is hate. Yeah, it's yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a chart in their Investor Day. Uh, they do Investor Day six pages. You, oh. know, you know who made that famous? Investor Day six pages. No, what six, do you mean? six pages. Oh, it's six pages only. Uh, like, yeah. Every, well, no, they've got like, they've got, I think they've got six, six oh, pages. It does ring a bell, uh, but no, nah, remind me. Uh, Amazon? Amazon, okay. Bezos, uh, Bezos had a rule that if you if wanted you to have a meeting, you had to write a six-page document six, yeah, yeah. Just, and everyone would uh, read get it. into the meeting and read it and then they would have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so Alassian, their investor day, they had a, m- a bunch of six pages. Um, so like one on strategy, one on whatever, cloud, one on whatever. And their one on R&D was fascinating because they compare – how much they spend as a percentage of revenue on R&D compared to a lot of their competitors and it's meaningfully more. Yeah. Um, similar to what we were saying earlier about how little they spend on sales compared to their competitors. But I think what's really interesting is how they try and encourage, uh, I guess, innovation internally. So they have this new products framework and they do, you know, the standard things that big tech companies do, you know, hackathons and, and all of that stuff. But they're explicitly looking for uh, $100 million businesses. That's what they're telling their customers. And from memory, one of their big products came out of this like internal new products frame, framework process. Do they give their staff equity in it? With, yeah, uh, yeah. Imagine if you built a hundred million dollar business. Like, damn, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> damn but damn I think it. you know, if uh, if there was any major software business you'd be happy to build it for, it's probably Alassian. Like they are universally known as like one of the best places to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you, I've been to their Sydney office, have you? It is so nice. Well, aren't they also building a five half a billion dollar like ultra green sustainable? tech hub here in sydney maybe yeah i think so yeah Yeah, it's meant to be nuts 
as we said at the start, amazing story, homegrown heroes here in um, from Australia, listed over on the NASDAQ, but you do love to see it. Um, there's a great podcast to listen to to get more insight into the founding story. It's called a quiet. Is it the quiet or is it the how, how I, I built this? this? It's the yeah. how I built this one. Yeah, with uh, Guy Raz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how I built this. Uh, yeah, go and listen to that. It's it's really interesting. You get some further insight. But um, look, that does bring us to the end of our episode. Thank you to uh, Superhero for sponsoring our summer series. Superhero allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETS with no monthly account fees, and you can now earn. Uh, Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. Head to our Instagram for your chance to win $1,000 in the Superhero wallet as well. Plenty of fun facts in this episode, so pull pull a few out and leave them in the comments for the Atlassian post. And stick around because we're staying overseas next episode. We've got a CEO of a really interesting company, and that is uh, the Australian CEO of Peloton. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, more so unprofitable US tech. More unprofitable US <laughs> tech. They've but one of the most fascinating companies at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to it because Ren will only be pitching the CEO on trying to get a Peloton yeah, in we, his bedroom. We found out <laughs> another media company was sent a free Peloton and I am ropeable <laughs> that we didn't get sent one. So thus, uh, this begins the campaign. <laughs> so. <laughs> Stay tuned on that front. But uh, thanks for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hope you took uh, got something out of that and we'll um, pick it up next week. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.